Today, we recap the bottom half of the table from what was the 21-22 Premier League season. Go through all 10 clubs, bottom to top. The goods, the bads, the uglies. There's a lot of ugly in this. But we give some silver linings at the end for each club, so stick around. Listen to this episode of the Premiership Perusal Podcast. Manchester City are still alive here. Balotelli, Aguero! Back, Fuchs. And the ball in behind Damian Bunny! Well, your head must be in the sand. Is your head in the sand? Can you, are you flexible enough to get your head in the sand? Now the fans are shouting every week, Louis van Gaal's army! <laughs> Louis van Gaal's army! Feet after a fabulous start, the game just got away from you there. I have nothing, nothing to say. Nothing to say about the game at all. Well, good to see you, Hank. Glad you could come in off the beach. You're looking quite tanned. Oh, we're always tanned out here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you could join me. We can talk about some teams that were not so good. Some teams that were okay. Definitely no teams that were very good, I'll tell you that. We're talking 20 through 11. Yeah, I mean, the only team that could even come close to being qualified as, like, pretty good, well... There's pretty good. Good. Just straight up good mm-hmm. would have to be like Newcastle post takeover. Right. And that's like Yeah, that's asking good. a lot. Half yeah. good. Yes. <clears throat> half half terrible. Half terrible. So let's get right into it. Let's talk about number twenty, the basement dwellers, first of three relegated. That's right. Norwich. Where did it all go wrong, Norwich? It's gotta be the start of the season, don't you say? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, early on, they, I, the, what they won, they didn't win until that Brentford match, and then they sacked Farca. Yep. And that was like eight weeks in, nine weeks in. Yeah, it looks like they got their first win start of November. Yeah, brutal. Uh, just going through general stuff here. <clears throat> Pookie, top score with 11. They're second. Not even tied, just second leading score, Josh Sargent with two. (laughs) (laughs) Two goals. Two goals. Two goals. Um, Yeah, I kind of, and then I went through, we took a look at best guys. I ranked their best guys based off stats, based off how much they played, based off what I could remember. I didn't try to recall much from Norwich. So it was kind of just three guys thrown up there. But from what I remember... If I had to classify their best three guys as Yanulis, Norman, and Pookie, is there anyone that you want to throw in there? Did you want to give Tim Kroll a shout-out? No. (laughs) (laughs) For being the 15th best keeper in the league? Yeah. 16th best? I mean, even for me, I I think I would just say, you know, maybe Norman, maybe Pookie. I try to go with their top three guys. Yeah. Pookie wasn't very good, but... 
I mean, everything any- went through him. Yeah. So it was kind of like he had to be the Half best decent. guy, even though he was not very good. I mean, you best look at the worst. You look at guys, and we'll get to their their downfall as to why. But guys that are supposed to step up and be like at least okay mm-hmm. for him, Rashitsa. Yeah. Just fell flat on his face. Yeah, not good. Sargent was pretty bad for a while. He kind of turned it on, and then he got hurt right away. Yeah. Adam Ida he came into the team. Too. Very and, much like Sargent. And looked good, but got hurt right away. Um, I suppose Grant Hanley at times was all right, serviceable. He, But, I mean, that's when he's playing low block, too. Yeah. And then... I mean, if you're trying to build out of the back, you don't want Grant Hanley. And guess what Norwich yeah. tried to do a good amount of the time, which we told him not to do. It's like a dog going in the house or something. Right. And you just got to fucking be like, stop it. Get off the couch, would News, you? Newspaper. <laughs> newspaper chasing around Norwich. Uh, best stretch, 11-6 to 11-30. Two wins, including wins against, the obviously, the first one against Brentford. Then beating Southampton, a draw with Wolves, and a draw with Newcastle. Really inspiring. Nothing right to write home about, but <laughs> and that's Newcastle when they sucked. Yeah, worst stretch: two separate six-game losing streaks, along with a five-gamer as well. You think about that. That is that's a lot of games. That's seventeen games. That's about half the damn season you went on a losing streak. Yeah, just about. Brutal. Yeah absolutely brutal trends with this team the worst attack bar none Mm -hmm. it wasn't even close they had less than three shots on target per game yeah i mean there was (laughs) there was really no secondary option it was just get it to pookie Mm -hmm. and i mean just there's a bunch of other secondary sets too that just describe it. it's like they're long they had the longest average shot per premier league team and you might say, well, you know, what does that really say? That means that they had no plan. Mm-hmm. They eventually just got to a point to where they're like, they throw their hands up and they're like, I'm just going to shoot. Yeah. Or even like like a counterattack broke wrong. Like, why are you shooting 18 yards out on mm-hmm. average? Brutal. Um, One of the worst defenses, if not the worst. Would you say they're the worst I don't think so. I think I think they're like I would say like nineteen. I think Leeds is Leeds. the worst. Yeah, Leeds was really bad. But Norwich, a lot of their downfall, like you talked about briefly, you were talking self-inflicted. about self inflicted. Self inflicted <laughs> playing out of the back. When why why does Norwich think they can play out of the back? Just because the trend is to play out of the back. That does not mean that you should be yeah. Nor- Norwich is not a team that follows trends. They they spend very little money. You know they try and punch above their weight. They have to go in with alternative strategies rather than do what everyone else is trying to do. Because if they do that, it's just going to be worse than everyone. It's one thing if you're a smaller or even mid table club, say like Crystal Palace, and it's like you have guys that are capable on the ball, mm-hmm. like Goyhi, like Anderson, guys who are actually good at passing. Yeah. You don't have that luxury at Norwich. No. You have Ben Gibson and Hanley who are out there to kind of block shots and to win headers right? to clear the ball. And like you said, they're, they're guys that excel at a low block mm-hmm. and not much else. So why are you doing possession? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's a matter of knowing your personnel. It's really bad. 
Yeah. Uh, what else was there? Kind of lower middle of the pack in terms of passing and tackling. It's kind of what you expect out of them. I mean, at some point, their passing was probably inflated, if you think about it, because it's like they'll be down 3-0, and teams might just like let them have some possession, but it's not going to result in anything anyways. Yeah. Um, blocking shots was a strength, and not that shabby at intercepting the ball, but when you're primarily on defense, you're probably going to have a lot of that stuff kind of bumped up. And it doesn't matter if you intercept Cons- the ball, if you can do nothing turn, with yeah, it. Yeah, if you turn the ball over just as much yeah um yeah i mean they they were pinned in a lot of times allowed the most opposition possession in their defensive third and you know another thing that didn't help was their pressing shit if your pressing sucks in midfield Mm -hmm. that's going to put so much stress on the back line already yeah not to mention you know the playing out of the back is already a major issue but if you can't really get any semblance of an advantage in midfield occasionally mm-hmm. i mean you're just you're asking to go down absolutely i think their fun stat has to be they conceded 12 penalties yeah how that's, many of those were uh ben gibson and grant hanley what, what that's one out of three games practically maybe a little over that's like one point <clears throat> three two or something like that but like that's insane that Every third game, you're just conceding a penalty. And it seemed like they were always coming back. You know, someone would make a poor pass trying to play it out of the back. And yeah. Then you get roped into making a bad challenge and yeah, self-inflicted. Yeah. A- anyways, downfalls, terrible attack, allowed the defense to get exposed. I mean, the midfield was pretty much non-existent. Guys like mm-hmm. Billy Gilmore... Hugely oh, disappointing. Yeah. Rashitza, like you said, was not very good. Kabak? Yeah. He he's he got a, hurt or something? He's out. He's yeah. out forever. Gone forever. Um, <laughs> not able to get anything out of camp. Well, partially self-inflicted on his part, I think, by having he, a poor attitude. But Yeah. I'd have a poor attitude on Norwich, too. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, overall, terrible season. Grade F minus. F- is there? Minus. It should. I thought about putting grade and then just putting Norwich. Non applicable. <laughs> they're they're new grade. They're, uh, they're the, you know, instead of gold standard, they're like the fail standard or something. They're terrible. That's what they are. Um. Yeah, I mean the the summer transfers. It felt like a team who had never played together. Which is strange because normally, like, you can see that early on with, like, Villa and stuff. Mm-hmm. But eventually it gets, like, reasonably better. Yeah. This team looked like it was, they had just met each other, like, every single week. Yeah. They had, it was just a bunch of mercenaries. And the sad part is, it's a bunch of shit mercenaries. It's not even like it's PSG or something <laughs> where you have, like, good players and they just start throwing together. Yeah, right. They they had the benefit of being able to sell Buendia and then they just brought in, like, a mishmash of guys yeah, that didn't really complement each other. He brought on Bill Gilmore on loan, who was might have terrible. Had, might have had like the opposite of what, whatever the opposite is of what Connor Gallagher did mm-hmm. for a Chelsea loanee. Yeah. Billy Gilmore did that virtual opposite. After showing flashes at the Euros for Scotland, he looked fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like he didn't get 
opportunities. He no, had everyone, plenty of opportunities. Everyone had opportunities on this team. Yeah. Opportunities to hurt our eyes, which they succeeded at. Silver lining, I put good manager. Yeah. That's about all you got going for you, Norch. Yeah, you do have to rebuild your squad. So I would say also the fact that obviously they're experienced in this and them going down isn't catastrophic. Yeah. So they can regroup. But how long can back. you rely on Tamu Puki? True. I mean to they're running him into the ground. <laughs> yeah, to be your championship go to. Yeah. Um <laughs> Sam's take, let's hear this. I didn't see this added. Yeah, I, I added this in <laughs> for every team. Added my take. I said, get the shit team out of the Premier League until they are willing to spend enough money on players worth a damn. I mean, you know what I sent in our private message. I sent, I think they need to be like, not necessarily like Derby punish, but like enough points to where they finish like 18th in the championship every year <laughs> for like five years. And punish think about, them for making us watch them every other year. Yeah. Think about what you've done, Norch. Yeah. Think about it. Moving on. Moving on to number 19. That I don't have as much faith to come back up in. No. Talking about Watford. Watford. Top score. Manuel Dennis with 10. He had two in the year 2022. And then second we had tied was Josh King and Ismail Sar with five. That is terrible. That's brutal. Well, you know, for Josh King, five. You'd probably take five. <laughs> one of those, three of those were in one game. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he's an Everton. Uh, Slayer. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the eater of Everton. <laughs> he eats up their defense. Um, yeah, their best guys I had ranked Kuchka, Dennis, Samir, and I threw a shout out for Ben Foster. wasn't very good at saving, but his distribution this year was quite well. But uh, yeah, those I, th- are the three. I think for for Watford standards, he was fine. He was definitely not the weak point in that team. No. I think he was one of the better players on that team. Um, a lot of people probably didn't even expect him to start. I don't think we mm-hmm. did. You no. Know, we expected no, Bachman. Bachman to hold it down. But credit to Foster. He put in a good good effort. Kuchka, he's the type of guy, you know, on his day, he looked really good. Yeah, he looked fine. I think he could be like a rotational guy for a mid-table club. Not necessarily playing all Premier League games and stuff, but he could be bouncing around. He'll probably yeah. go back to like Italy or something, but yeah. he was fine. He, Dennis, hot start, kind of flamed out. Makes you wonder, is it just kind of form? But then again, he kind of got upset at Watford about the AFCON thing, about them not letting him go. Yeah, And then, I don't know. I, I still go back to when they had him central, he was clicking, and then they like moved him out wide because Saar and Joe Pedro and other players were not really doing it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just isolated him. I feel like that kind of ruined whatever momentum he had, whatever form. Yeah, he never really got going under Roy Hodgson. Not really under Ranieri that much either. Well, who did? <laughs> <laughs> no one? No one. Um... Best stretch to start the year, 8-14 to 9-18, winning three of their first six to open the year. Beat Villa, Palace, and Norwich. Even even that, you look at it. Villa, 
brought in some new guys that were trying to figure out what what was going on with yeah. that. Palace, same thing. Mm-hmm. Norwich is Norwich. Yeah, they're not they're not very impressive wins. I mean, that first game they looked really good against Villa, but especially Sar. They almost just threw it away. They have one of the worst performances I've ever seen Did, against Brentford in the second week. Or uh, Brighton. Was it Brighton? Yeah. Oh, Brighton, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, about, um, what's his name? Chisco. Chisco. Why didn't they just keep him? You know, looking back, they probably should have. I mean, he's, what, like 14th place? Who cares? 15th place? Is fine. I mean, they might have done better under him, <laughs> honestly, throughout the full season. You would have thought bringing in Ranieri would have gone better than it did. Yeah, so, I don't know. Somehow it just, I don't know. It didn't work. And then Woy, Woy had something going on. What that was, we don't really know. He made their defense slightly better. I like how that's, the mic is picking that up. Um... Let's see. Best formation four three three. Most wins. Uh, this is the formation they had, which makes sense, I guess. Yeah, I think that suits them the most, but not yeah. like it was amazing by any means. No, not not at all. Trends for Watford season didn't create a ton. And they weren't very efficient at taking the chances. That's, you know, coming in the year, you would have thought, all right, if they get like 12 to 15 goal contributions out of SAR and they get like 8 to 10, 8 to 12 out of Jao Pedro, mm-hmm. you kind of got to, you almost have to go in the year when you're a bad team and think, how are we going to get to a certain goal number? Not just points, but goals. Because a lot of times with these crap teams, it always comes down to can you score? Right. With Watford, the chances weren't there a ton, but there were chances. Yeah, there definitely were chances. And then, I mean, so many times it would just end up like you get the ball in a good spot and then it all falls apart. And I feel like that's the thing, too, is like, sure, they didn't have a ton of chances and they're kind of near the bottom, but it Mm -hmm. felt like whatever chances they did have were pretty damn good chances. Yeah, compared to like the chances that, for instance, like Norwich is making. Yeah. Yeah, no, they had they were in well enough shooting position and stuff, and it'd be like skied, yeah. or it'd be like a three on two, and just for no reason, it passes way behind the guy making the run, and it's like, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, virtually bottom in possession in midfield and attack. Kind of goes without saying they're kind of just going for counterplay for the most part, which makes sense. Um. Low on through balls. I found that kind of surprising in a sense of like, in a way it's not really because they don't have like a maestro in midfield to pick the passes, but when you have that much pace up front, you feel like you could be sending a few more through, especially if you're playing on the counter. Especially that if you look at the first game, they were just through balls left and right. Yeah. And then they had another game where they did that. I forget what game it was, but... Other than those games, it wasn't really that kind of system. Yeah, which is so strange. I I, I really didn't get what they're going for at Be- times. Because that's when you can really utilize guys like Dennis and Saar. Yeah, hitting on the counter. Even if it's just they run down the field and draw a foul or something, then yeah. it's like you have a free kick chance. Yeah. So, 
I don't know. Um, you know, pretty good at dribbling for shots, but didn't result in goals due to lack of efficiency in shooting and dribbling. They dribbled a lot for their stuff, and obviously the nutmeg stat is wild, the most nutmegs all time. But they weren't super efficient with it compared to, you know, how often they went with that style. They had it taken off them quite a bit. Um, you know, high in defensive actions that led to a shot. They're able to turn defense into attack. I mean, mm-hmm. that goes, that makes sense if you're going to counter. Um, high in clearances, tackles, interceptions. That's kind of just part of, you know, you're going to be sitting back. You have to protect Craig Cathcart. You can't let guys like him get exposed, Sam. True that. Because they will if you let them. Um, yeah, tied for most second most yellows, or tied for most second yellows with Arsenal. I like Ooh. that stat. Um, I f- yeah, I feel like the main thing too with Watford and where they really went wrong was last year they could rely on their defense in the championship. This year their defense was by far and away bottom five, mm-hmm. probably bottom three. Norwich leads them. Maybe Everton at times was pretty bad too. Yeah, I I feel like you hit the nail on the head here where you say if they were in position, then they weren't that bad. But yeah, a lot of times they'd end up and there's like two guys right next to each other and they're like getting in each other's way. And yeah, it's they, just a hot mess. they really overloaded at times, which I guess is fine, but sometimes it was too much overload and any chance they had to break it, the opponents that is being they, it resulted in a great chance because no one was on like one half of the pitch right. to where the ball was going. So There's overloading and there's just awful positioning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, downfall, lack of midfield presence that connects defense to attack. Consistently poor center back play uh, in the first half of the year. And the big boys not stepping up enough. Stepping up enough. Sarn. Mainly Joe Pedro. Yeah, absolutely. I think that people don't talk about really how bad Sissoko was for them. I mean, I get I get they got him on a free, but you I wanna, feel like if you most announcers like mention when they're talking about Watford, they they act like he was like fine. You want to talk about Sissoko? What about Danny Rose? <laughs> this team was full of just random guys really was at least Sissoko was like a constant presence in the team Danny Rose was like five games in and they're like they they caught him this guy is so bad they had to cut he's so bad he thought he was going to play for AC Milan well AC Milan is now winning the Scudetto and Danny Rose is nowhere to be found yeah tough scene um grade F was on the brink of giving him a D D minus but yeah give him an F just because they gave us a little bit of hope at the start of the year that they might stay up. Yeah, you could always see the potential there. Yeah. Silver lining, chance to rebuild, acquire some funds. You can sell Dennis, you can sell Sar. I could bring in like 50, 60 mil. Problem is you're selling those guys, one, after you got relegated, two, at probably the lowest their value has been for like the past three years. Well, I don't know about Dennis. Dennis, they bought okay, this last Dennis, summer. Yes. For like I'm, five I'm talking more so Sar. Sar. 
Yeah, I mean, they probably could have taken an offer for like 40 mil and I don't know. They might get 30 this summer. I feel like they could from like Everton. I don't rule out poor transfers from certain Premier League clubs. I don't think SARS were 30, but some team will talk themselves into it, I'm sure. I just feel like I don't think it'll happen. I think he'll stay at Watford. I could see it. You never know. Um, Also, chance to right the wrong. They bring in a young manager now. How about we keep him? How about we get some semblance of a culture going at Watford? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Not just having a bunch of random, like, 60-year-old, like, Italian guys and Boy Hodgson Mm -hmm. come in and be like, hey. Lasting for two months. Exactly. Yeah, my take on this, on Watford, worst run club in Premier League history. Oh. It's amazing that they actually got into the Premier League in the first place. Also amazing that they got back into the Premier League after getting relegated. It will be even more amazing if they can get back again. I think they will, just not within the next two to three years. I think it'll be more down the line. Yeah. Um, What was I going to say? You know, it's weird because they wouldn't have been relegated that COVID year if they just didn't play again, which they were in talks to. But Project Restart, they were just, they couldn't get anything going. Yeah. And it fell apart on them. So, moving on, the last relegated team, Burnley in 18th. Start off top score, Max Cornet with nine. Ben Mee and Chris Wood with three in second place. How about that? Chris Wood doesn't get enough talk about for being... I don't care that Newcastle had to buy someone. You could have thrown me up front, and you would have saved 20 million pounds. They should have bought uh, Kiefer Moore, honestly. Should have bought anybody. Chris Wood had no form. No. Absolutely not. Wasn't even worth his release clause of like... 20. 20, yeah. Yeah, not worth. What do you get for Newcastle? Worth, worth two, like one, two. 10. Got like five goals on the year and played like 34 games, mm-hmm. 35 games. Brutal. Um, Best guys, Nick Pope, Cornet, Mr. Taylor. You put Ben Mee and Roberts in there. I respect yes. it. I just want to go like a hockey style first three stars. Okay. Well, I I have an opinion too. Yes, man. and I'm glad you shared it. <laughs> I just wanted to throw I'm just who I thought the best yeah. three guys were. So we're, Pope, by far, yes, was an elite level keeper, not only in the Premier League, but in all of Europe this season. Mm-hmm. Cornet showed flashes, gave them life when it looked like there was no life at Burnley, yeah. even though he did miss some tap-ins. Yeah, and a concern about durability with Courtney as well. True, true. Charlie Taylor, solid defense. Their best or second best attacking wing player, not ideal to say if you're Burnley, but it is what it is. He was one of the most important guys in terms of their attack, swinging balls in. Yeah, you know, I got to say he surprised me. He wasn't a guy that was on my radar prior to this season, but – I think he is a solid option for for you know the lower half teams that are yeah. going to play in that fashion that need it 
a fullback who can swing and crosses. I think he's he's pretty good at that. Yeah, and I mean his defense held up, although Burnley kind of sit back, so maybe he get exposed if you play a little more open. Who knows? Ben Me, class back there for Burnley. Yeah. Yeah, I've always said I, feel I think like, he's better than Tarkovsky. I feel like part of why they went down, too, is him being out mm-hmm. for so long was a killer. Not that Nat Collins was, like, bad, but he wasn't that great. Yeah, he was. And, and he's still younger, so you got to kind of give him some of a break. But, I mean, yeah. at the same time, yeah, I he's mean, no Ben Me. When you don't have your team captain for yes, however many games that he missed towards the end of the season, yeah. quite a few. Connor Roberts showed some flashes in attack as well yeah it took a while for him to get integrated into the team but once he was in he played you know most of the games yeah i think it would have been better if they put him in sooner Sooner, but but... i think he he might have been dealing with some injury problems but that was a good addition still that's like what the type of guy that burnley should be going after these high level championship players yeah to say the least. Uh, best stretch, 4-6 to 4-30. They went 4-1-1 one, one wins against Everton, Wolves, Southampton, Watford, and a draw against West Ham. They Mike Jackson. The, they almost had the great escape. Mike Jackson coming in almost against all odds, keeping them up. Now he's going to be replaced by Vincent Company. Yeah, it's crazy. Strange. I, I, I don't know. I, I think Mike Jackson did a good job towards yeah, the end of the season. I think so too. Maybe I think he he'll uh, a chance. Maybe he'll get a job somewhere else. Um worst run, one win in the first twenty five games. Mm. Also had a four game losing streak in March into April. Yeah, honestly, I mean four game losing streaks not they, too bad, but happen. but the one win in, in the twenty five games. Yeah. It's amazing that they got as close to not getting relegated as they did. Yes. Because after, after 25 games and you have one win, that's almost like a sure thing. You're getting relegated. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. A bunch of draws, but they ain't enough. They ain't enough player. Yeah. Best formation. They really only rocked a 4-4-2, which makes sense. That's Classic. Burnley. Yeah, that's Burnley ball. That's what uh, Norch needs to learn. Like, stay in your lane. Yeah, exactly. Do your thing. Trends. We mentioned Pope already was borderline elite. Uh, second worst at shot on target percentage and shot on targets per game. I mean, a lot of that's coming down to Wood slash Vote and a mix of they got almost nothing out of Dwight McNeil in terms of like goal production this year. Yeah, and then you look at there was always that second striker position that was unoccupied. You know, whether Cornet was playing up top or... or Barnes towards the end, or uh, J-Rod sometimes. Barnes, J-Rod, Vidra. Those guys, you were just not getting enough production out of. Yeah, you might as well have thrown Sam up there. I I think with a more solid second striker... John Dyche would have stayed out there. Yes, he should have. And, of course, like you said, Dwight McNeil underperformed this season yeah big time disappointing we expected quite a bit out of him if they're gonna stay up which we had them going down anyway so yeah um let's see yeah real real shit passing crossed a bunch um 
last in defensive actions leading to a shot. So there's not really much in terms of turning all that defense that you're playing into attack. That's going to be a massive problem. You need to score goals. How are you going to do that if your main thing is defending? Mm. Uh, high amount of aerial encounters. Decent rank in terms of success there. Uh, their defense allowed the most completed passes into the box. That doesn't sound good. It sounds like you're really leaky for a team that's <clears throat> supposed to be kind of real strong at defense. Yeah, and I think also the fact that they're playing four four two really doesn't help them. They lose a guy in the midfield. The guys that they have in the midfield. Brownhill is fine. Jack Cork, Cork was in. Westwood. You know, these aren't guys that are going to be able to Westwood's make a, up for that. Westwood's almost like a going forward attacking kind of guy for yeah. them, which, I mean, he's just kind of all around eh at everything anyways, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, they don't really have much of a defensive anchor in midfield, yet they don't really have a guy who excels in attack. Right. But yet I don't feel like anyone's super outstanding at anything in particular. No. It's like a really shit version of Brentford's midfield. Mm-hmm. And the only, like, shining polish on the turd is Mr. Brownhill. Yeah. Um. Middle and tackles interceptions, best to clear... Clearing and blocking, obviously, we know Burnley, even though they might not have been as strong defensively as years past, they're still going to be near the top in that. Um, Opponents last in tackle and interceptions versus Burnley. That is about all you need to know. Teams aren't taking the ball off them because Burnley doesn't have the ball in attack ever. Yeah. So, um also, most clearances came against Burnley, which is obviously because they have no semblance of an attack and open play. All they can do is cross. Downfall. Quality of D wasn't quite good as past years, but don't kid yourself. The attack was horrendous. Mm-hmm. Slow start put them behind the eight ball, and lack of transfers finally caught up to them in the long run. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. They were living on borrowed time with their transfer strategy. It was only a matter of time. We all saw it coming. You can't, you can't survive on Jack Cork and 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 Westwood and uh, Goodmanson and a uh, bunch of bunch of guys that are not Premier League quality. You know, Maddie Vidra, Ashley yeah. Barnes, guys that are past it. Even going into the season, you have Chris Wood, who's who was decent last season, but yeah. Heavily underperforming, you don't really make enough changes in the winter window. Of course, Burnley Mm -hmm. never going to shake things up that big, but... No. Grade F. Yeah. Has to be said, you went down. F. Um, Silver lining, much like Watford, a new beginning awaits them. It's been a little while since Burnley's, uh, you know, been out of the Premier League, what did we say, like seven years? Something like that, eight years? I think it was eight. Uh, no Sean Dyche. Fresh start can be exciting at times. We saw that for Palace last year. Obviously, they were staying up. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on their uh, silver lining? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, like we were saying, it, it seemed like they were living on borrowed time in the Premier League. And the fact that they made it into the, the Europa League 
that one yeah. season. That that's amazing. Their finances should be pretty good from being in the league for as long as they have been. Yet they have that massive debt apparently looming. Yeah, that they, loan. They had the leverage takeout, but I still still think they'll be okay. They don't spend crazy money. They'll I'm sure they'll sell Cornet and probably Pope and maybe maybe well Tarkovsky's leaving on a, a free, free but yeah. maybe one more decent money signing. Um going outbound uh yeah so my take on burnley just like i said you can't get away with not spending on transfers forever long time in the making yeah couldn't agree more moving on leads barely holding on by the skin of their teeth top score rafinha 11 second jack harrison eight best guys kind of basic i gave the number one star to our guy and i I was surprised at the stats in terms of his efficiency and stuff and where he ranked amongst Premier League players, like with his playtime. Mm-hmm. It showed it. He was their best guy. See, Normally, you wouldn't see it. I saw it. I thought this was interesting that you went with him, number one. I think a big thing was he didn't play. He played maybe half the season or so. Yeah. Um, I would Personally, I would say Harrison – yeah, was the best and most I, most consistent. You have a guy like Rafinha he, who's got higher highs, but also his average level, I don't think was as high. Harrison was like sneaky, not good in the first half in terms of like passing and stuff. But then That's again, true. who wasn't at Leeds? Yeah. So it's hard to say. That's true. But we are talking about Joe Gelhart. I have him number one star, number two Rafinha, and Harrison three. You could really sw- swap Rafinha and Harrison. Because Rafinha had a long run, too. It'd be unfair to say, oh, Harrison didn't do much in the first half. There was a stretch where Rafinha was like just a no-show or like just not taking his chances. Oh, absolutely. I thought overall this season Rafinha was a massive letdown versus what we saw uh, last season. Yeah, I mean, and then part of it, too, not to just completely shit on him, but it's like he doesn't have all the guys around him that he's used to. So it's there's going to be a massive focus from other teams like take this guy out. Yeah. They d- they have Robin Cock in midfield and not uh, Calvin Phillips and stuff like you. Stu Dallas. Or... Yeah, exactly. Like, and then even like guys like Ailing and stuff were hurt for a good amount of the year. Cooper, like a lot of their main guys were hurt, so yeah. it's like a lot of the focus kind of fell on him. But still, he didn't really step up a ton. Yeah, speaking on Luke Ailing, he's he's one guy I wanted to touch on. I thought he was good last season as well. This season. Like you said, struggle with injuries, and when he was playing, I thought he played pretty poorly. Yeah, uh, he had some really bad moments. One that stands just, out, that red card against Arsenal. Yeah, he's kind of just overshadowed by that Wolves come from behind victory where he got the goal. Mm-hmm. I think people would probably give him the benefit of the doubt, but yeah. no, I, I, it was virtually a down year for everyone at yeah. Leeds, and Absolutely. not to mention another guy that was down and out this year with injury again, Pat Bamford. Yeah, he looked, I guess, fine. We didn't really get a long run, but he did score like I think three or four when he did play. So he, I don't know, he might have had a down year anyways, but he's still probably on pace for double digits. Yeah, and like you say, it's hard to judge a guy who could not stay healthy for more than like two games. Yeah, and then when he did get healthy, they put him back in for ninety, and he immediately got hurt right away. Yeah. Um, best stretch. 
313 to 425. They went 3 2 0, beating Norwich, Wolves, Watford, Drew with Palace and Southampton. Not spectacular, but got it done. Getting results where you need it. Um, beating a team like Wolves, that always helps. Yes. Uh, drawing against Palace and Southampton, that's not terrible. Good to get points off them, but there were just too many games where they were absolutely descended into chaos. <laughs> and it yeah, was awful. for no reason. That's the leads for you. They they tried to play the same exact way that they did last season. With not the same personnel. With not the same personnel due to injuries and, and then also poor form on a lot of guys' part as well. Yes. Worst run, January 22nd through March 10th, the end of Marcelo Bielsa and the beginning of Jesse Marsh. I think they lost two to start with Marsh in his reign. Mm-hmm. I remember they had that terrible Villa game where they just got ran off the pitch. Yeah. Um, and you know how Bielsa's run ended. That was uh that was tough. That was to tough watch. to watch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um best formation four one four one early, but kinda went uh to four two three one to close out the year. Obviously that four one four one is based on Phillips being your linchpin. Right. And when you don't have him and you go against Manchester United the first game and you have Robin Cock in there instead, yeah. you're bound to lose six to one or whatever they did. Yeah, you're you're replacing Calvin Phillips with guys like Robin Cock or Adam Forshaw. Adam Forshaw. You don't want to know how bad his stats looked. Oh, oh, I know. <laughs> I test it. Yeah. Um Trends below average and shooting efficiency, easy to tackle, just kind of predictable. And I feel like that kind of goes with the Rafinha thing too, where it's like teams know how you're going to play right now. Yeah. I mean, part of it too is probably quality. Like Rodrigo's not amazing and you're asking him to do a lot more than he has to. For, but for the price that they paid. <laughs> yes. He should be doing a lot more. Um, high possession and own third, but not really attacker mid. I mean, that's... They just couldn't really get the ball going forward that much this year in attack. Tops and tackles and efficiency rate, obviously, you know, that's given their style. They're going to have to be running around the pitch, kind of putting on pressure. High in interceptions, but very error-prone back line, which allowed the second most through balls. You just want to take a minute to talk about their defense? Well, we'll we'll say they had the most fouls and yellows, obviously, to protect the back line. It was bad. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, Cooper, there were signs last season, you know, yeah. that he's, he's not the best center back and that Bielsa was getting a lot out of him. Yorente, uh, poor Kalk, uh, when he slipped into center back, wasn't very good either. Yeah. Poor giveaways. Stroik was... Uh... Not yeah. bad, but somehow the best that they had. Right. And he's more of a defensive mid at times, but they yeah. slid him back. I don't know. They're full back play too. Mr. Mr. Furpo. Furpo. You are terrible. very bad. Terrible. Barcelona should be, someone should be put in prison for this stuff that they do and like Le Barca failed prospect guy that they can sell for like 20 mil. Yeah. At, at any given time. It doesn't even make sense. It's really egregious. Yeah. It's it's blasphemous. They shouldn't be allowed to. It is. Um, downfall, small squad, plus injuries equals a bad time. No production out of big-name guys. 
like Rodrigo. No production of Pat Bamford. Production that you need, mm-hmm. but you cannot get because they are hurt. Great to give him a D. It was bad, but they stayed up. Yeah, exactly. So, um, silver lining, close, strong, I guess. Have the option to sell and rebuild if they really wanted to. I think that there would be a market for... I don't think you get the most out of Phillips you could. Rafinha, even though he had a down year, I still feel like you could still get at least like oh, 50 mil for him. Absolutely. 60 mil. I think I think you sell, you sell Rafinha, you sell Phillips, and that'll go a long way. Yeah, because then you can at least add to the depth a good amount. Yeah, they already brought in one signing, Brendan Aronson, young American. Jesse Marsh kind of bringing some guys over from Salzburg. I saw that. FC America. Linked with another guy from Salzburg. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they rebuild. They have a lot of gaps. They need to solidify the midfield, solidify the defense. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Your take on it? My hot take on Leeds. Heavy attack style play only works when you have the right per- personnel who can produce guys like Pat Bamford. Yes. Rafinha when he's in form. And you have to draw a line between aggressive and chaotic slash sloppy play. A yeah. lot of times it just delved into chaos. And this hyper-aggressive style of play that suited them before just left them completely vulnerable with no upside because they weren't getting the production. Yeah, and almost got them relegated. Yeah. So, couldn't agree more. Now we move on to your team. 16th place, Everton. All right. Top scorer, Richarlison with 10. You would have thought that he had, like, a club record, like, 50 goals the way the fans love him. Damari Gray, Dominic Calvert-Lewin with five. I don't remember Calvert-Lewin getting five. I felt like he had, like, two or three. But yeah, he was injured quite a bit. Yes. <clears throat> Best guys I have ranked Pickford, Ducore, and then Gray slash Townsend. They they're really good early and but faded pretty hard. And I put them over Gordon, but obviously I think Gordon deserving of a shout. Yeah. Um your thoughts on that? It's not really saying much because Pickford wasn't even like that good. But when they needed him most, he shined. He's pretty clutch. I think I would put Gordon higher. Yeah, I think I I think I would say Gordon second. Have you considered that Townsend had a goal of the season candidate? Well, I mean, he's got like at least one of those a year. <laughs> um, best stretch four one and one to start the year: Southampton, Brighton, Burnley, and Norwich, and they drew Leeds. Very fraudulent. It was very fraudulent. <laughs> they looked pretty good to start the season, and then it uh, took a turn. It took a nosedive. Yes. Worst was from uh, December 12th through March 13th, 1, 1, and 9. Oof. Yeah, it was getting games. pretty dire. Yes. Yes, it was. Best formation, four one four one with Rafa, with Fat Frank, three four three. What? Three at the back? I mean, two of the midfielders were just, I guess, not even like wing backs. They're just kind of like full backs. Mm-hmm. Mikalenko and 
Coleman pushed up. So, uh, trends near the bottom five or six in many shooting stats. Second worst passing team conceded a lot of shots. Uh, opponent shooting efficiency was quite high, meaning they were really getting exposed in defense. Um, and it kind of, it, you know, when I saw that, I thought, oh, yeah, you know, it did seem like whenever Tink conceded a lot of times, the team would be in possession and they're passing the ball around the pitch. And it felt like Everton was like a whole step behind, like what the other team was going to do. Mm-hmm. They're just like, I wouldn't say disorganized, but just caught off guard or something. Yeah. Um, opponent's completion percentage on medium and long balls was highest in the Premier League. They were getting beat and caught out of position in midfield quite often. Uh, Bill, opponent's ability to turn defense into attack was easiest against Everton uh, as they conceded the most goals from opponent's defensive actions. I mean, that's what happens if you don't sit low block like they were early with Rafa. Mr. Keane and his and his <laughs> colleagues are going to get exposed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the terrible on dead ball defense, I think that's one of those things you didn't really notice because a team like Leicester was just so like almost like historically bad. Yeah, there were a couple teams that were so bad. But Everton was another one of those teams mm-hmm. that was like, wow, okay, yeah, nice. Yeah. Downfall. Scoring efficiency dropped. D stopped holding up, and the playmaking dried up from early in the year. Yeah, they didn't have that Ancelotti magic. They no. they missed Calvert-Lewin for big stretches of the season. He never really was able to get going, uh, end up relying on some young kid, Anthony Gordon coming in, Gray and Townsend started the season hot, but didn't last very long. Richarlison. Solomon Rondon. Yeah, the fact that he was on this team <laughs> says enough. Uh, Richarlison has got to be the most overrated player. He he thinks he's the best player ever. Really, he's a penalty merchant. Uh, completely underperformance for a 50 million pound price tag. Um, cannot stand watching that guy. Cannot stand watching Yerry Mina either. Michael Keane, one of the worst center backs in the league. Um... They were cursed from the start when they hired former Liverpool manager Rafa Benitez, and the fans were against him from day one. Yeah. How no one had the foresight to say, this is probably not a good idea, just goes to show how poorly Everton are run. Yeah. They're almost into Watford territory. You know, That's hard like, to get there. Watford is like in their S-tier. own tier. Yeah, and then there's A tiers Everton. A tiers Everton. Yeah, no, and I, they didn't really spend, and it looked like they might have got some bargain buys early on. And even, you know, right, Damari Gray getting five goals, you paid like a million pounds for him. Exactly. That's still solid. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. You, what you did in the past has come back to bite you, spending 30 mil on a guy like Clausen. Mm-hmm. You buy Sigurdsson, he can't even play. He's a nonce. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got a... Uh, or Charleston, 50 mil, Sam already touched on it. I mean, last year, I you go back to, it's probably one of our first ever pods. I mentioned that Mane was probably the most overrated attacker because he was just so inefficient last year. Mm-hmm. But now this year, obviously, Mane bounced back. Richarlison has to be the king of inefficiency for attack. Absolutely. 100%. 
I mean, he was in second place last year. Now he stepped up to first. Said move over Sadio. Especially, you think he got he got a few goals towards the end of the season. You know, mostly penalties. Yeah. Imagine if he didn't get those. How how glaringly bad it would show on his on his stats. He's the ultimate. He can't score when you need him to score or like gimme opportunities. Yeah. But then he'll hit a bike against who's that like Norwich earlier this year. It's like oh, so you hit you hit that for right. no reason. Right. It's like oh okay. Uh, grade D minus. Should probably be an F, but they stayed up, so we give him a D minus. Just so close, you know, right on the edge of F. Um, yeah, sixty sixty point nine percent. They're right on the brink. Uh, silver lining stayed up. One or two marquee marquee guys with one or two young guys kind of emerging, Anthony Gordon kind of emerging. Um, you still have a guy like Ducare who's fine, probably be better next year even. It was, it was just kind of average this year, normally slightly above average, I think. Next year he'll probably bounce back a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say the one cause for concern is, you know, not bringing in the right guys in terms of, you have to definitely bring in youth because of this whole presence. It's one thing to be a veteran team and you have like a winning sense and like a certain presence culture about your team. It's another thing when you have a bunch of vets and their Solomon are undone. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's kind of where palace was at last summer and they nuked it and they brought in the right core and look where they're at. Right. So, I mean, you even look at a guy like Seamus Coleman, like respect to Seamus Coleman. Yeah. He's had a great career. He's a great You can't player. rely on him anymore. But he's past it. Yeah, he should be like a player coach or he's like just playing in like the FA Cup or like a maybe a sub him on for the last fifteen or something. Yeah, but kinda, he shouldn't kinda be. like the James Milner role. Yeah. You know, you come in every now and then, but you're not a marquee player by any means. I mean, how many games did Seamus Coleman play? He played he, every game he was available. Yeah. That's too much. Too much. Too much. Sam's take, huge warning sign for a club that is continually mismanaged. Will it come back to bite them? You know, I think this was... Because this can... we You see this, and it turns into 2013 Newcastle, where it's just... it's There's no going back. It's just downhill slope. Mm-hmm. Or even, like, Sunderland, too, where yeah, it's just, true. like, there's no going back. It's downhill slope. Villa in, like, 2012 started to do it it's just going downhill and you can't stop it do you think that's the same or do you think this is that they'll wake up i I think this was the wake-up call i don't think they'll be as bad next year they'll probably be bad but i don't think they'll be as bad this season was pretty catastrophic and you consider that they didn't have one of their best players calvert lewin for a good chunk of the season Uh, i think they They also hired the man who solved football Yes. No one else could have kept them up. Just True. know that. True. They definitely need to go for that youth approach, bring in some youth, uh, get some guys on loan maybe. I would sell Richarlison. I think a lot of people are high on him still. Yeah. That really shouldn't be, so I would cash out on him. I'm going to zag and say that it gets worse. I'm going to say that it goes the way of Villa. It very well could. And Newcastle. It very well could. I think they're going to keep a lot of the same guys and i don't think they're gonna add a ton Mm -hmm. 
Moving on. Southampton. The team who we learned nothing about last year nor this year. No, nope. they just exist. Yeah. Um, top score, James Ward Prowse, 10 goals. McAdams was seven. That shocked me. Really? I kind of felt like he scored like about that. I would have guessed, if you would have made me guess, I would have said eight. It seemed like he didn't play that much. No, he 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 kind of tore, especially towards the end of the year, he kind of faded out, um, injury stuff and whatnot. But seems like he'd pop in, play a few games, and then he'd be gone for a while. Yeah, rinse and repeat. Well, it we talked early in the year. Hans Hasenhudel, Mister Hasenhudel, likes to uh kind of mix it up and then he finds his groove and he just rides that and then mm-hmm. once the groove's over he's back to mixing and matching yeah um best guys i had their wing backs just all bunched together as their best guys mm-hmm. <coughs> <laughs> for sneeze on the podcast um let's see yeah walker peters Levermento, and the main two you can throw Perot in there. He's fine. He's whatever. But those two yeah. main guys, Walker Peters and Levermento, were so good for him. Yeah, I got to say, Walker Peters. I mean, obviously, Levermento, we wouldn't expect anything out of him because we haven't seen much other yeah. than like he was highly touted as a as a Chelsea Academy player. Yep. Um, but in terms of Walker Peters, he didn't do too much last season, but I think he really stepped up into his own this season. Yeah. He can play on both sides. He, I think he really adjusted into that role of being like, okay, I'll play wherever you need me. Yeah. And I'm going to do pretty good. I'm going to just throw it out there. And I'm not saying that he's like super high quality, mm-hmm. but I think a guy like that is what someone like a Manchester United needs. Yeah. In terms of versatility, kind of plug and play. Seems like hungry when he's on the pitch. He's like wanting to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't cost like that much. I don't know. Right. Uh, second, more of, more of a team-oriented player. Yes. Second, James Ward-Prowse. People, I think, would be shocked to hear this. Yeah. Sam would probably have him third or fourth. <laughs> no, I, I think second is, is fair. Yeah. You look at his contributions, most of them came from, I mean, I think he had two open play goals. I think. Two or three, yeah. And the rest were free kicks and penalties. For whatever reason, I can only think of the one against Brighton towards the end of the year. Yeah, I think I think it was two, but it might have been one. Either way, you know, you could say, well, that's inflated, whatnot. Yeah. It, it, is, it is good to have a guy who can, you know, take good free kicks and score penalties, but I do think he gets pretty overrated you know, people in, like in terms to act, of value. People like to act like he's got a lot of defensive aspect to him. He's not a good defensive player. I don't know what he's where not, he gets that stigma. He's he's neither a good defensive player or a good offensive player. He's good on dead ball situations and that's about it. The rest of the time he's pretty mediocre. Yeah. No, I I would say that he's Above average in attack, but below average in defense. I think he's just... I mean, I don't think he's really a defensive-type player. He. I feel like he, people like want him in the England squad because they feel like he could like even fit that Calvin Phillips role. Yeah, he's definitely more of 
just like a box to box kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, he's just an eight. But too much talk about somehow player of the year candidate, James Ward Prowse. <laughs> yeah. Ev Salisu is the third star. He had his ups and downs, but I don't know. I, I just like the way he covers a lot of space. And Bednarak's not like bad, but Bednarak is kind of more that stable. He clears headers. Very one dimensional. Yeah. So Salisu offering that pace and a lot of ability to kind of press up on guys and win and tackle more than a center back normally does. I, I just like that about him. Yeah, so Lisu's more of your modern-day center back as opposed to your traditional Bednarak. Yes. What is th- this thing auto-corrected on us and put three-fourths rather than... Fractions. <laughs> they twice won three out of four games. <laughs> they won three-fourths of With the game. fourth result being a draw. So what's that? That's 10 points from four games? They did that twice? Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, that's pretty solid. And that really kept them going throughout the season. They... They'd have their runs. Yes. Worst, one point from last six games. That's pretty And this bad. is where we were last year, though, where it's like they're fine, I guess, and then they close out so bad, and you're just doubting them, and you're like, oh, this yeah. is going downhill, isn't it? Best formation, 4-4-2, but really that second guy is kind of, it's the Adams role of uh, like a false nine kind of. In a lot of ways, they remind me of Burnley in the sense, you know, they both play four four two. They both have midfielders who are just kind of like meh, meh, and they're not suited one way or the other towards yeah. attack or defense. You struggle to fit, find that second striker who can produce. And it's kind of like the revolving door. Yes. They don't know what they necessarily have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh attack solid at creating chances, but efficiency of executing in the chances. Idios mio. Southampton. And this is why expected goals should be thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. There's no I think Southampton was like minus five for their expected goals. Like they scored five less than they should have. But they were like I think it was like thirteenth or fourteenth, like in terms of minus. Like a bunch of teams had like minus like seven or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's no way Southampton literally had like ten tap in goals this year. Yeah, that they didn't convert. They they could have. <laughs> if you take like a highlight blooper reel of the worst misses, you could make one that's for the whole league, except it's compromised of just Southampton. Yeah, fails. Yeah, you could do one for the league and then one for just Southampton, and they'd probably be just as long. Yeah. Um, passing was meh. Long balls were a tough spot. They really couldn't really feed Brozier Armstrong in behind. Mm-hmm. Um, near the bottom in assists, and that's just kind of lacking that 10. Like That's why they kind of try to go with a false nine, but unbelievable. Uh, set piece, obviously a strength, had the most shots off of drawn fouls. Um, goal, goalkeeping, not great, despite, uh, your guy, Mr. Frazier Forrester showing flashes at times where he looked okay. They still have that carousel to deal with. He exceeded my expectations. Well, I'll say that. But I mean, just in general, because early in the year, it wasn't like it was, uh, very good with Alex McCarthy and... They even brought in Willie Caballero for crying out loud. Yeah. So, uh, 
opponent's passing percentage was lowest against Southampton of any team. That surprise you? They were yeah. they're kind of relatively high in terms of pressing success. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when they were playing well, they they were pressing. Yeah. Um, teams had some efficient finishing against Southampton. Again, I feel like that's just kind of if Salis is caught out, they're really going to be caught out. Um, Southampton, one of if not the best at turning defense into attack, which is kind of strange. You don't really think of them as like kind of a counter team, especially since they're not very good at long balls. Um, good press and intercepting, not that great at tackling, which kind of goes along with what you're saying in terms of they don't really have like they're all okay at stuff but not really great if you have a defensive anchor out there you're always generally pretty decent at tackling they don't have that guy unless you count your boy oreo romeo yeah definitely not uh downfall this is in all caps blowing 26 points from winning positions where does bring up the table real quick where does 26 extra points get them they're at 40 40 they're at 40 yep keep going keep going so 56 gets them tied for seventh <laughs> oh wait no what'd you no, say 26 yeah oh so yeah. it'd be 66 they would be almost in the champions league <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean realistically say say 13 you know 53 that puts them in eighth place yeah that's feasible definitely feasible Especially when you look at the other teams that are non-top six in terms of blowing games. Like, there's some team, or from, like, winning positions, there's some teams that had, like, two. Like, I think Brentford had, like, two. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely doable, but, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Absolutely. it's not for Southampton. Absolutely. All right, what do we have left for Southampton? A grade? D plus, C minus? Probably C minus. That's a little <sighs> depends on what your expectations were. If you had a little higher expectations, D plus. If you didn't have much hope for him, you'd probably go C minus. Yeah, I think I think C minus. If if you if you look solely at the season alone. Yeah. <clears throat> uh silver lining, some young guys showed flashes. Still have vets that can be replaced. Yeah. If they wanted to, do you think they could get what what's the number on James Ward Prowse's head right now? 50? I mean, the, the rumor was 40 million to Villa earlier in the season. Yeah. So you I think, think some soccer would pay it. I have a bad feeling it would be like a bigger team. It'd be so funny if United bought James Ward Prowse. <laughs> like, it would be the most United thing ever. James Ward Prowse. James Ward Prowse. Well, I've seen him take free kicks. He's really good. <laughs> uh, Sam's take. What do you got? My take lines up when I was saying about the grade. If you if you look at this season, you know, it was fine. They, like you said, they could have done a lot better from winning positions, finish higher up in the table. But there is a startling trend. You look at teams around them who are sp- starting to splash the cash. You look at yeah. teams like Villa, teams like Newcastle. <clears throat> you're gonna get left in the dust. You're gonna get left in the dust, and that's, that's what I was saying that's a couple podcasts ago. But they feel very Swansea, last days of Swansea to me. Yeah. Moving on. 
Aston Villa. Watkins, 11. Ings, 7 for top scores. Uh, best guys, I ranked them Ramsey, McGinn, and Matty Cash. Is that fair? Would you have someone else in there? I think I would put Matty Cash, 1, McGinn, 2, Ramsey, 3. Okay. That's fair. So, They're all very close in my mind. Yeah. I'm definitely flexible yeah, no one, in terms no of moving really... it around stood out as being the guy those three guys were like their best players by far yeah um best stretch three one and one early on one three in a row in late february to early march worst a five game losing streak got mr dean smith fired and four game losing streak which is right after a three game win streak goes to show the inconsistencies <clears throat> this team faced this year yeah i was about to say that that pretty much sums it up. Uh, four games right after a three-game win streak. Yeah. Best formation, 4-3-3. Three, three. Uh, close to second for the 4-4-2 four, four, formation. Um, yeah, I think that's still in progress. Figuring yeah. out what their best formation is, what what guys wear. Yes. Trends, middle of the pack in terms of attacking efficiency, middle of the pack in terms of passing middle of the pack in terms of defensive categories what do you notice this team is middle of the pack mm -hmm. it's just about less high highs and low lows and kind of evening it out i feel like for them yeah absolutely downfall inconsistency all over the pitch uh mings and the two emmys were disappointing at times and didn't get the best out of wings Wings. Ings or Watkins. <laughs> look! Look here, listen! Look here, listen. <laughs> Buying lots of players I, is not going to fix gonna it. I was going to say, Buy it's not going to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think it... Tyrone Mings underperforming, pretty disappointing. He was... Yeah. Especially for being in the England squad and yeah. people kind of think high of him. I thought he was really good last season. Emmy Martinez was really good. Emmy Buentia never really got settled. At times it looked good, but for the most part, I didn't think he looked that good. Yeah, he he was he is the epitome of Villa this year. I feel like his highs were really high and his lows were really low. Mm -hmm. He did create a good amount of chances, but at the same time, it's like balance that out. Like yeah. if you average like take your totals and divide it by game and you average like four chances created a game mm -hmm. don't go in with eight one game and then zero with the next keep it relatively close yeah um yeah and talking about ings and watkins the idea being that you know one of them's going when the other one's maybe yeah. not going or maybe they're both going you play both of them mm -hmm. really neither of them got going yeah and to say the least and, it just never really clicked yeah. Ings had chances. I felt like he was better early in the year, and then it kind of faded. Watkins had kind of moments throughout the middle of the year to late in the year. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it just never really clicked the way you thought it would. Yeah. That's the way I thought it would. I thought it'd be all right for him. Yeah, especially considering how much you, you're spending on Ings to bring him in at the age he is. Yeah. Knowing you're not going to get a return out of him. He didn't provide that much value. No. 
no what was it 30 mil something like that something like that yeah 25 something uh grade i went c minus i would put him more at a c okay because the potential is there well i just did for this season the way i saw it yeah coming in this year i thought they'd still be better the potential was shown this season too at times yeah I don't know. And I, was I think just, that makes me think favorable of him. But then I think I was just really frustrated with the inconsistency. There's part of me that that sees people like, oh, look at Stevie G, look at Aston Villa, look at what they're doing. Yeah. Part of me is like they haven't really well, done much. Well, yet. <laughs> well, no. You you have to look at the actual results. Yeah. And if you look at the actual results, take out the fluff of the shine of Stevie G. Mm-hmm. You know, you get down to. A, the hard facts and it's an inconsistent team yes couldn't agree more um silver lining the emergency emergency the emergence of ramsey and a solid back uh back-to-back windows just keep building that momentum i thought that their window was fine was when buendia the best no was things the best no dinier was pretty good for him yeah that was a good game callum chambers was pretty good for him mm-hmm. so you know, there's still success out there for Villa. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of harnessing that even more. They already brought in a player on free from Marseille for midfield help. There's talks they might sell Douglas Louise. I don't know about that, but we'll see. Didn't they get a guy from uh, Sevilla as well? Yes, Carlos. yes, and a, another fullback. So a lot of, uh, lot of additions. Just like you're saying about Southampton, they are going to get left in the dust. If Villa keep... Mm-hmm. Having even if they're like pretty decent summers, sure you might whiff on a guy or two, but it, like if two out of three are hits, you know, pretty good. Yeah, and that's the thing about Villa is that it looks like they're just gonna keep spending. I read that they have like the the third richest, third or fourth richest owners in the league. Yeah. So the money is there. If players don't work out, it doesn't matter. You'll see them spending on guys who they might not get a return out of, like Ings. Yeah. You know, they're not yep. afraid to spend that kind of money. So, yeah, I I think I think there's potential. And my take is what I kind of already alluded to, but I said the hype and shine around Stevie G will not last forever. Results must be better, and you need to get solid production out of the attack, whether that be Buendia, Watkins, Ings. Coutinho. I'm worried about Coutinho. Yeah. That he just had a really hot start. Um, he scored against Man City. But I guess we'll see. I feel the same way as you. 13th, Brentford. Top score, Ivan Tony with 12. Second score, Johan Wiesa with 7. How's Uh-oh. that possible? Because <laughs> <laughs> anytime he got subbed on, he scored out of nowhere. Best guys, I went Norgard, Pinnock, and then Ayer slash Canios. And I just made a side note that Erickson was legit world class for them. Is that fair? Would you have included anyone else? I would just say Erickson as number one, even though he only played half the season. That's why that's why I had him as a side note. Yeah. But if we're taking the regular squad, I think Norgard was the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, best stretch was March 5th to April 16th. They won five of six. Only loss was to Leicester. That was such a massive run of games. Yes. Uh, a w- the worst stretch was a five-game and four-game losing streak. 
Yeah, they had some really poor runs of form where we were quite concerned about them. Yes, yes, we were. And it looked like they were going to potentially go down, but that that streak from uh, March 5th to April 14th really pulled them out. Erickson was massive. Yeah. And it was amazing that they could turn it around despite how poorly they, they had been playing. All they needed was one guy that could really link the midfield to attack a little more than what they had because they didn't fully have that and you also think about the set piece aspect of it too oh yeah brentford's a team that thrives on scoring from set pieces you bring in a guy Guess what? Here's an like elite, erickson yeah elite level uh deliver the ball <clears throat> yeah uh best formation mainly the three five two um also moments for four three three and even you know i know you really like this Early on in the year was that four, or uh, middle of the year during their stretch was the four five one where they just kind of packed the midfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, trends most attack categories they're ranked kind of just right where they were in the table around thirteenth, like that they were like twelfth or fourteenth and some, but around there didn't turn defense into attack much. Not really much counterattack. Um, obviously effective when it came to set piece chances and drawing fouls that led to chances. Not a great dribbling team, which makes sense given their midfield. Um, opponents' completion percentage got worse in rank uh, as path length increased, which meant like they gave up a lot of the short passes, but the medium and long passes, they did not give up. Um, there was not much success for the opponents, pretty much meaning they didn't really allow much in terms of counterattack. That's that. Like, I can't. I can't comprehend. I can't get the words head. out of my mouth. <laughs> the opponent's completion percentage got worse in rank as pass length increased. So yeah, the short passes they gave up a bunch. Well, let me tell you about the short passes, and I'm they gave some, up like, short passes. But then the long, the long numbers are flying. Teams out. could not pass medium or long against them, which meaning they were not susceptible to the counterattack, which okay. we thought coming okay. in the year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We did. We because. I mean, that's kind of what their thing was in the championship. Yeah. Uh, average at intercepting, tackling, pressing, high in errors that led to opponent shots, mm-hmm. which I don't really remember them having like a ton of defensive errors. No. But apparently. Uh, downfall finishing was rough for a stretch. Couldn't get set pieces for attack. And attack kind of got left on the island at times. Yeah, that that rough stretch they had, they really could get nothing going in attack. It wasn't like the defense wasn't good, but the attack gave them no support, so it just kind of left them exposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a good attack, but all too often they were just disjointed. And, yes. And you know, maybe they'd get the ball up to them, and those guys couldn't do anything after that. They didn't really have anyone coming from the midfield to link up with. And at times they were just playing poorly themselves. Yes. For a grade, I give them a B plus. They finished slightly above where we had them coming into the year. Mm-hmm. We at least had them staying up. A lot of people had them going down. Surprising. But, um, is that fair? B plus? Would you say B? I'd say B plus. Almost an A if they didn't have those awful runs of form in the middle of the season. But overall, very successful first season back in the Premier League. Massive triumph. 
silver lining for me. Their play holds up in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You have a strong manager in Mr. Frank. Not Fat Frank, but Mr. Frank, Thomas yes. Frank. The Dane Frank. Yes, <laughs> Dane Frank. Um. Yeah, no, I think that's that's enough. What's your what's your take on it, Sam's take? My take going forward: Can Brentford survive without Erickson? He was massive in the second half of the season. Unlikely that they'll be able to retain him when Champions League teams come knocking. Yeah. How do they replace that? I have faith in them to get some semblance of a replacement. I just don't know if... I just don't know as far as like how he f- a replacement that would just be a 10 would fit into the lineup because mm-hmm. they like that four three three right so I, i'm not i'm not sure that the balance erickson provided them in the midfield was so good that it's like that's almost impossible to replace yeah just like for like yeah so they'll have to find some adjustment and find a guy who can come in to at least provide some semblance of passing forward yeah i think that's one of those scenarios where you need like two guys to replace one. Yeah. For what he does. Agreed. Agreed. Moving on. 12th place, Crystal Palace. Top score, Wilf Zaha with 14. How about that? Connor Gallagher with eight and second. Very nice production out of Mr. Wilf. Yes. <clears throat> the career year out of nowhere. Uh, best guys, Gallagher, backline. Then I had Wilf. And then I yeah, almost have to give a shout-out to most of the damn team. Edward was solid. Edse, Olise, MacArthur, Mateta. They didn't really all play enough to be just fighting there. But when they did play, they all were pretty solid. I don't know if I'd throw in Edward or or Eze just because he didn't play very much. That's why they're not but I think in there. But I like the mix of Olise, MacArthur, and Mateta. Kind of as a trio there. Yeah, well, the official trio is Gallagher, the back line, which is actually four guys, and then yeah, yeah, Will. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I was just I'm gonna saying put, as like one entity. Yes, I was gonna put um, just Mitchell, but I was like, Goyhe and Anderson were too solid as well. I can't. I'm just gonna put the whole back line. And Joel Ward honestly had yeah. an above average year too. Yeah, I thought he did really well filling in at that right back spot. Uh, best stretch three one and one to close out. They went three two and zero in late February through April. Um, also a two five and zero stretch, so they didn't lose. But I don't know if you want to have five draws in seven games. You know, I think a big thing for Palace is when they were playing poorly. They they didn't go on these runs where it it stuck with them and they like brought it game to game yeah they didn't have like a five game losing streak or six game losing streak like some of the other teams of course started season was rough but that was to be expected yeah but then after that it was kind of like smooth sailing from there yeah their longest losing streak was three games and their longest winless run which included a few draws uh to start 2022 is six games so yeah Best formation, 4-3-3. Some success with 4-2-3-1 as well. Um, trends, 
crowding the box, um, applying lots of pressure, unable to get clean shots off, um, high intensity midfield pressing, playing well, feeding Wolf, getting Gallagher running. You get him north and south. I mean, that's just special what that guy can do. Yeah, you had kind of your your golden zones. You get the ball to Wilf on the wing, or you get the ball to Gallagher on the edge of the box. Mm-hmm. And that's a good spot for those guys to be, to do some work. Yeah, I think one thing that Chelsea getting Gallagher back next year um, will be massive for them is he can kind of ease pressure on you. You don't have to play Kovacic all the time just for, like, his ability to just dribble to create space. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, e- even better than Kovacic, because Kovacic doesn't really do a ton going forward, uh, is going to be Gallagher's ability to actually kind of distribute when running forward. Yeah. Um. Yes, the downfall, inexperienced defense at times, making mistakes, sometimes getting overran in midfield, misfiring attack. It felt like every once in a while they – had like just one facet of the game go wrong which you know going back to villa for a second villa like it seemed like whenever they had a bad game like all facets of the game were just bad mm-hmm. palace it kind of felt like it was just like one bunch during the game would have a bad run whether it's the attackers or the midfield was non-existent or the defense was kind of shaky yeah yeah i thought it was interesting kind of the use of of rotation they had a lot of different guys playing in attack. Some variance in how they played the midfield as well. Sometimes they had uh, Kuyate sitting in there kind of as like a true defensive midfielder. Yeah. Sometimes they... Sometimes they try to get with him at center back. Sometimes center back. Sometimes a little more aggressive, having MacArthur in there, just running all over the place. Sometimes Gallagher pushing farther a little farther back. Um, and don't count out Mr. Schlupp getting forward at times Jeff this year. Jeff Schlupp, yeah. Um, yeah, they had such a nice balance, this squad. I really, literally, probably my favorite or one of my top three favorites for sure. Yeah, I like the different options that they have. And it, it helps when you have a solid back line to, to build off of. Yes. Great. A-. minus. I don't think it really could have gone much better for Palace. We were no. sitting here last year saying... This could go really good or really bad. And we yeah. liked what they're doing, and we're like, we have faith. We have faith in Palace. They're our guys. Yeah. Guess what? At the end of last season, we were thinking, oh, man, Palace is doomed. Well, if they did it the wrong way, yeah. if they would have brought in Musa Sissoko, and they're like, no, look, look, this guy, he's on Tottenham. Yeah. Instead, they're like, oh, here's a really cheap, young, up-and-coming guy from Reading for 7 million euros. Let's mm-hmm. bring him in. Yeah, there was a massive undertaking that had to be done there, and they did it spot on. Yes. Well done. Credit to Vieira, too. We didn't know coming into the year. Mm-hmm. That was, honestly, we didn't know about the whole situation at first. Then we saw the players that brought in. We liked that. And then we were kind of shaky on Vieira. We are like, we don't really know. Not Premier League experienced. Yeah. We'll see. I did a really good job with the squad. Yeah, absolutely. Massive credit to Vieira, massive credit to the board and uh yeah scouts transfer management all that silver lining obviously the young core sam's take really what i already just said yes uh, 
They they managed the transitionary period to a T. You couldn't have done it any better. And it was one of, honestly, one of the most difficult undertakings I've seen in quite some time. In quite some time of watching the Premier League. You look at a team at the end of last season and you say, there is a lot that has to be done. And I don't think that Palace is the side that's going to do it. But yeah. they proved us wrong and they did it. Yes. They brought in a young core. They brought in a good young manager. Yeah. And they're building the right way. You love to see it. Do you love to see this, though? 11th place, Newcastle, no, United. I don't. Here comes the pain. Everyone else in the top four, here comes the pain. Sweating intensifies. Uh, top score, Callum Wilson with eight. St. Maximin and Bruno G with five. Best guys. Wilson, Bruno G, ASM, Joel Linton. I think I would probably have Joel Linton as number two. And I'd probably have Bruno G as one, even though he played half the year. Yeah. I I was and on ha- the I edge. think I'd have Dan Byrne at three. Okay. I put Callum Wilson because it is insane how good he can play after it's being true. out for like months yes he'll come in and he'll be like okay i'm gonna score like three goals in three games yeah no it's he's... like not fair like how is he so good at this yeah he's one of those guys where you just have to put up with injuries you know mm-hmm. you're gonna get 25 games out of him and you know he'll probably get you somewhere between like 10 to 15 goals yeah that's just what it is um best stretch was match t- match week 21 to 28 six wins two draws massive Worst, well, they didn't win until match week 15. <laughs> we thought they were doomed. Well, everyone thought they were doomed. Best formation, 4-3-3. Action out there for them. Um. Yeah, it, they just looked a whole lot better under how when they are able to kind of control the game, possess the game. Mm-hmm. They set their own pace to the game a lot of times. Yeah. Um. And, I mean, getting Dan Byrne, it was always kind of there in terms of they didn't have to just sit back and, you know, play low block. But I feel like Dan Byrne really opened up their ability to not have to only play low block. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I don't think anything can be said about how good this midfield was this year. Crazy. Crazy. Who would have thought the midfield, you know, guys like – Jolington. It was probably like Shelby Longstaff. Slightly above average before Bruno G got there with just Jolinton, Longstaff, Shelby. That was probably above average. And Willick sliding in there too occasionally. It was probably like the ninth best. And that's still like, wow. You throw Bruno G in there. Yeah. That's that was like top five midfield. Mm-hmm. And they, really, from from guys you wouldn't expect it, Jolington turning it around, absolutely massive. I mean, he completely undertook a new position. Yeah, he went from a striker to last year, he kind of moved a little out wide, more on the left side, and now he's just kind of like a central mid. Yeah, crazy. You got to respect. I mean, he was getting a lot of stick from the fans, but, you know, he persevered. Yeah. Always worked hard, so massive respect. Downfall first half of the year was absolutely terrible. Um, our boy Bruce Ball, it wasn't going. It was good for the memes. It really was. Very good for the memes. Um, 
<laughs> you gave a grade first half D minus, second half A minus. So that comes out to C, C plus. Yeah, I I put more weight on the second half of the season. So you just in January give them like a B, B plus. Yeah, I'd say okay. I'd say B plus. Honestly, the way that they finished the season was awesome. No, it definitely has to be. I would say a B plus as well. The fact that they could get the fans back on their side for a team like Newcastle, massive, massive, massive. Because Newcastle, huge support. If you have a, a big stadium like that going against you every game, yeah, that's, that's hurting you that's a lot. Brutal. But when they're on your side, cheering you on, pushing you forward, Newcastle in the second half of the season at home lost like once to Liverpool, I think. Yeah. They were immense at home. Yeah, no. they It was definitely a fortress, St. James Park. Which is the way it should be. Yes, for a big club. Yeah. Silver lining, brilliant second half, new owners, new coach, optimism for next season. Absolutely. Sam's take, this team will be competing for the top six in two years or less. I feel like it might be next year if they bring in another guy or two in the summer that's not necessarily like elite, like you know him already and stuff, but if they bring in a guy as quality as Bruno G for your defense or mm-hmm. your attack, I mean, that's... Yeah, I think I think the question will be, can they do it over the course of a year true yeah, it's a long the season thing, the thing they still have going for them until they get into europe is that they're not in europe and right. they won't have those extra games right that helps massively so um is there any team that stood out to you in putting this together that you really want to talk about and team you didn't want to talk about besides norge yeah be, besides the obvious i think the most intriguing teams um crystal palace for the rebuild yes brentford for the fact that they're newly promoted and finished as high as they did um villa for the fact that there's a lot of hype around them but ultimately the results yeah weren't that great uh on the other side of the coin a team like southampton like you said we we haven't learned anything about them and that's concerning because if you're not moving forward in this league you're moving back yeah. And that's the only way we both see this is Southampton true. going. Yeah. Yeah, I would say the least exciting team to talk about was definitely Watford. Um because at least Norwich you can laugh about how like his- historically bad they were. Yeah. I would say an interesting team that we talked about was Leeds, but only because not because of what we said in terms of why their season went the way they did, but when I threw that out there as a potential rebuild in terms of you just sell Phillips, you sell Rafinha, and you bring in more depth. That idea for Leeds, I really like that, and I think it's interesting that they might be doing that. I'd give mm-hmm. them like a 50-50 shot, whether they're going to sell those guys and bring in more youth, bring in more depth. So, But no, the most, the most uh, intriguing team and compelling team to talk about is definitely Crystal Palace. Yeah. I think the thing with Newcastle, or not Newcastle, Leeds, the way that they play, you shouldn't be relying on, like, one or two star players because of the intensity of the system you play. Like, guys are yeah. going to get hurt and stuff, and you're going to need to rotate guys. So you really need, like, a strong team 
dynamic. Yeah, they really, you know, that's the one thing about last year that no one ever talked about. They didn't really have that many injuries. Mm-hmm. Everyone stayed relatively fit, and they got ninth. Yeah, so. they had a thin squad, and it didn't hurt them last season. Yeah, Bielsa's like, we can do it again. It's like, no. No. No, no, no. And now you're out. Yeah. All right. Next week, the top half preview. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready for the pod to be one and a half, two hours long. In one hour, we spent on Wolverhampton Wanderers. Until then, adios. Bye.